Hello everyone and welcome to the Unbarred Podcast. I'm your host Daniel. We're a project in association with the UN's Pro Bono Society. We're a student-led initiative running workshops in prisons and creating resources with people reintegrating back into society. And today we're talking about the three key letters you need when applying for a job. A CV, a cover letter and a disclosure letter. Please enjoy our podcast. Would Zoe like to start off? Yeah, hi everyone, my name's Zoe and today I'll be speaking on what a cover letter is, why it's important and how to write one. So a cover letter might also be referred to as a motivation letter and it's a formal letter submitted with your CV for each job application. It sort of is like an introduction for your employer by outlining the main reasons why you're the perfect candidate for that job. Although employers sometimes stipulate in a job posting that applicants don't need to supply a cover letter with their job application, this doc and this document is not often compulsory. It may often be advisable, however, to give a cover letter anyway. This is firstly because a cover letter provides employers with a succinct summary of who you are and why you might be suitable for the job opening. Often employers sift through many job applications daily and use cover letters to screen applicants who don't have the necessary qualifications. Adding this tailored and well-crafted cover letter to your job application often shows you're sufficiently interested in the job and have made the effort. It it also provides greater context and clarity to your sentence and will give the employer more reason to employ you over someone who did not write one. It is ultimately a chance to sell yourself. Often it might be advisable also to dumb down your CV for more laborious jobs. It could be a good idea to use a cover letter to sell yourself to the employer. What kind of stuff would you put in your cover letter in order to really sell yourself? Right, so firstly I would advise, the first thing to grab the attention of the employer, you should start with a strong opening statement about why you want to partake in the job and why you're enthusiastic and passionate about it. You might go on to say why you're suitable for this position, to talk about things that you've done in prison or built on your skills, how you've ultimately used your time in a positive way um, and how your sentence has helped you learn and helped you grow. Would you therefore say that a cover letter isn't just explaining why you're right for the job but why the job is almost right for you as well? Yeah, exactly. I would say you need to specifically talk about why you want to work for that particular place um, and how you would make a positive contribution. It's more about your motivations and passions as opposed to your qualifications, which is what your CV centres around. So talk more about how you have used your time as a positive experience to motivate you in the future and build on your experience and ultimately contribute to the position in the future. Would you say a cover letter needs to be really tailored towards the job? Well, your CV is very applicable to kind of most jobs that you apply for, you want to tailor it slightly. A cover letter, you send a different one to almost every single employer? Yeah, 100%. Whilst you can, you know, use the same motivations for similar jobs i mean if there if there if it is a similar laborious job then 100 percent. but i would tailor it to the specific company or employer because that'll really make you stand out from other applicants therefore if you don't have the qualifications that are needed it can still make you stand out from the crowd and get them to employ you over someone who does perhaps yeah and just out of interest how long do you think a cover letter should be I would say a page max, to be honest. It doesn't need to be long. Just keep it succinct and short. But just, you know, really emphasise your passions and motivations, why you want to do this particular thing. And, yeah, ultimately shape what you've done in a positive way. And I think being concise is quite important with a lot of job applications, especially stuff with a cover letter. 
because if you think about it, these people are going to be getting a ridiculous number of applications and they want to get a very clear impression of you very quickly because you could be the 50th one that they've looked through and so they don't want to be getting bored they want to be getting a very clear open message about you and so they immediately get hooked and that's why I think specialisation is so important because an employer can tell if you've just copy and pasted it and changed the name of the company. Yeah. So that idea of being really specific and you know researching the company before you apply and seeing what they do differently to other companies that you're planning on applying to, I think is quite important to show that you've put in the effort because they put in the eff- they've made the time to read your application. Therefore, you should make the time to submit a good application that's relevant to the company you're applying for. Yeah, exactly. I feel like almost the more specific you are, the more chance you have to sell yourself because it shows you've actually taken the time to go out, do your research, and it shows you're actually passionate and enthusiastic for the role that you're applying for. Particularly if you have served a longer sentence and you don't have the qualifications that they require, this can sort of not be an excuse, but if if you can show that you're dedicated um, to the role that you're going to work, it could you know persuade them to hire you regardless absolutely and i think doing the research is good preparation for the interview anyway because when you go in there you want to know about the company anyway they're likely to ask you questions about the company they are going to want to know the kind of ethos that the company has the kind of role you're going to have to fulfill um because you need to be able to show how you can fulfill that role and if you know nothing about the company then it's going to be difficult to show that So just doing that little bit of research prepares you for an interview as well. And so it's really worth the time. Exactly. Um, I also was going to say in relation to like the hidden job market, often there's a lot of jobs that aren't advertised and it's more through who you know, not what you know. So most hidden jobs are small to medium sized businesses. And if you're finding difficulty, you know, finding jobs that require formal applications or CVs because you lack the qualifications, a cover letter is a great way to send you know, if you have a friend of a friend who can get you into a job, send a cover letter anyway. It can really help to sell yourself and explain the reason for why you'd be a good fit for that company. And it gives you a much greater chance of actually, you know, finding employment afterwards. I wouldn't just shut yourself off or just not send one in because ultimately it's a great way to show your enthusiasm and passion for the role. At the end of the day, someone's not employing you based on a CV. They're not looking for a CV they're looking for an employee, they're looking for someone to work there, and that also takes into account the other characteristics. And so I think your cover letter is really key at showing that, the kind of person that you are, so that they already get an impression of that before you go into an interview, so they're already expecting someone who they think is going to fit well into their company. And so a cover letter is a really strong introduction to you and an introduction to your application. And so I think it is really valuable, even if it takes that extra bit of time. Yeah, 100%. As you say, it's a great way to put your foot in the door and make a fabulous first impression. So I definitely, even though jobs don't require one, I would 100% recommend sending one in anyway. It can also be a great way to sort of add on to your disclosure letter because it can give you greater it can give the companies greater clarity and context as to your sentence but shape it in a further like positive light almost um and say what you've learned from the experience and how it's helped you grow and develop new skills yeah because as i will talk about um after cvs 
you should include um, a certain number of things in the disclosure letter. But if you ever feel like you want to embellish parts of that, if you want to go further than what you'd put on, what I advise one side of A4 for a disclosure letter, if you want to add any more detail, putting it on a cover letter is a great way to do that. No, absolutely. It, it is very much a, a trio of things that go together. And so you want them all to link, you want them all to follow on from each other and to make sense as a, as a package. And so having them linked and having them all tell the same story is really important. Pretty straightforward, just a succinct, I'd say no more than one side of A4. On your motivations, who you are, um, why you want to apply for this job. And the more specific you can be to the particular role, the better really. Because it will show that you've taken the time and effort to research and ultimately that shows that you care about the position. I wanted to speak a little bit about what we can do like over time to enhance and develop our CVs. I think the first thing that I wanted to say um, when thinking about your CV is that it's always going to be a work, a work in progress. It's never really complete. So um, when approaching enhancing your CV, like don't be afraid to, you know, completely rip it up and start all over again because it's always going to be a work in progress. And you have to also consider that over time your aspirations will change as well. So that's why it's so important to be open to the fact that your CV is going to be changing. And although you might be very happy with it, consider that perhaps in a few months, it might be completely different. And yeah, and in, in preparation of this episode, I actually looked at my CVs over the past two years. And it's really amazing how much your CV really changes and how, how much you come along. So um, yeah, that's the first thing. And then also what I also wanted to say to start off with is that you don't need to spend money in order to develop and enhance your CV. I think quite often we think about qualifications and we think, you know, I need to make an investment in order to receive a qualification. But I think one thing that we'll actually find is that um, you don't actually need to spend a great deal of money or make a great investment um, in order to develop and enhance your CV. Um, Something I'd also add on there is there are loads of like headhunting companies and schemes out there that aren't necessarily worth investing in Mm -hmm. because often industry is more about who you know and that sort of thing and you probably already know the person that could help you get a job and you are and you're just paying money for people to do research that you could do yourself and you would find quite rewarding Mm -hmm. rather than paying someone else to do it. Yeah, and there are so many free resources and sites online. Um, I know that previously we were speaking about Duolingo and how easy and accessible it is. If you don't know, Duolingo is like a, it's a language learning course which you can literally get on your phone and it's just a great thing. You can pretty much learn so many modern languages. You know, there's German, there's French, there's Italian. I think there was even Latin there last time I looked at. So Duolingo is an amazing resource. The greatest thing about it is like that little animal that comes up. Is it Jiro? I think that's the name. Yeah, it's almost like a dragon figure. And I don't know if you've seen around like the internet, but there's like a like there's a mascot who wears the costume that just turns up at random events. Really? It's very cute. Yeah, Yeah, but Duolingo is brilliant. Yeah, that's a very attractive thing. And also with Duolingo as well, most of the courses they take you to intermediate level, which is B two. So there's the beginners, which is sort of A1 and A2, and then there's the intermediate, which is B1 and B2. So, you know, if you finish over, I mean, you probably won't do this in a week, but maybe over a course of two years, you know, you can put in your CV proficient in, I don't know, German. And B2 is really the language that employees define as sort of being at like a working level of the language. So, for example, if I was a B2 in French, 
Um, a lot of employees would say, I'm proficient enough to work in that language. And there are lots of alternatives to Duolingo as well. There's like Babbel and Basu. So definitely look into it. That's just one of the examples. I think it's of, a good example of, of the free resources out there that you can use to develop your CV. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, hopefully, once you've come out of prison, you've used that time um, valuably as well. And I know from, from going into prisons and, and speaking to some of the other offenders, they've spent their time well and a lot of them have to do their uh, level one and level two English and maths. And that's a good thing if you've not got the, the, the GCSEs mm-hmm. um, previously on your CV, get those on there. I know people who have done BAs in business management or environmental science and things like that are brilliant to put on your CV just to know that you've got that kind of mind to develop yourself. Because that's what employers are really looking for. Because when you start off a job, you might not have all of the skills. They do provide training for you. And so while you may have the base set, you're then learning from then on. And so if you can show that you've developed yourself in the past and you've learned a language or mm-hmm. you've done a BA in, um, in prison or developed your maths or English skills, it shows that you've got that mindset to learn and mindset to develop yourself, which I think is really valuable skill to have. Yeah, I think another great resource that we often forget is YouTube and just like social media. Excel, for example, it's amazing how many tutorials you can just get on YouTube on how to properly use Excel. And I think they're really useful for anyone. So perhaps you might be looking for a more admin based role. Maybe you want to have some training on Microsoft 365. And the amazing thing is that obviously you don't have like a timetable, you don't have a set schedule for these YouTube uh, videos, so you can just do them anytime. Yeah, what I'd say to that is, just what Daniel said about English maths, what you said about languages, IT skills is also something that is a tick box for employers. They want to know that you can work on a computer and do the basic office skills as a sort of prerequisite, and you don't want anything to work against you. Mm -hmm. You want to show that you covered all bases and that you have, as you said, that desire to learn and apply yourself. Exactly. Also, the fact that you don't even have a schedule means it's all down to you. So the fact that you're actually going out of your way to go and learn these things and develop your skills is also really admirable. Um, And it shows the employer that you're willing to take a step further and make a positive impact. I mean, it's the first step to say a positive road ahead almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know at school you're forced to go into school from the age of like four Four, to 16 Um, but after that there's no one telling you what to do so it becomes a lot harder to you know I know as a uni student sometimes I wake up I'm like I can't be bothered to go to my lectures so you know God knows how some people feel with it so I think it's really impressive just to show that you've done like whatever you've done in your like during your time just put it down because I think like something is better than nothing and just doing some like you know it's it's impressive really yeah Yeah, and obviously don't lie on your cv we're not advocating that at all but we really got to exaggerate you've got to make sure everything you've done you've got to say that you know you've got that beta in french that's amazing you've got to like emphasize how incredible that is but even if you've got a b1 you've got to emphasize how much work you put into it because that's what it is you put so much work into acquiring these skills and qualifications and you want it to be valuable yeah you have to really show off your skills i guess you know and i I think the key is it's not just putting these things blindly onto your cv it's showing why they're important it's linking the thing that you've done to show that you have a certain skill to show that you've got 
a certain asset. Because everything you've done is valuable, you've just got to be able to explain it and show to an employer why it's valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's really what they're looking for. If you just need to, you just need to think about the past things that you've done and then explain how it links to the job that you're going for. Because that allows your CV to be very, very flexible. But obviously, as we've said, a CV is something you build on. And so if something you feel is quite weak, you then go out there and you find something to replace it on your CV. Because you want your CV to be full. You want almost to have the different things you've done to be competing to get on there because of you know how much you've done. Yeah, I think overall it just shows how motivated you are. And then speaking about motivation, another really great way to show that you're motivated is through volunteering. As well as giving back to the community, it's also a really great way to integrate back into the community at a time when perhaps um, contact has almost been lost uh, with the people around you. And this can really help to, you know, really boost your self-confidence and really build self-esteem. I think the great thing with volunteering as well, even if it is just once a week or twice a week, is that you're almost building a routine because we all know how difficult it is, you know, when we're starting something new, um, such as coming out of prison, how daunting that can be. But perhaps just volunteering, you know, once a week is a really great thing in order to start to build that routine. I think also what I'll mention is that, you know, perhaps after volunteering for, I don't know, six months, the people that you meet there are also really great sources as a reference as well. You know, when we do our applications, we forget that actually at a later stage, the employer will probably ask us for a reference. And then by volunteering for six months, you know, you meet so many people and that can be a really great source for a reference. Absolutely. I think although all of your skills and everything is really important on the CV, when you get to the later stages, you're, having your, you're going to have your interviews. Having your references at the bottom of your CV, they are a deal breaker really, mm-hmm. for most employees, employers. If they get a really good um, reference back from who you've put down there, that's going to go a really long way to showing kind of your character, what you've done in the past, your skills, because that's who they want to hear from. They want to hear from your previous employers or people who you've volunteered for. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is really valuable. But also going back to the volunteering thing and building a community, we talked about the hidden job market earlier. Developing a new community around you of people in different professions, working in your community by meeting different people, whether it's through volunteering or joining like a sports club or just taking part in the community generally, you are then growing the number of people you know, especially as you're out there volunteering and stuff. People know how valuable you are and so jobs may come your way people say oh I heard you're looking for a job that kind of hidden job market opens up to you and becomes more visible with the more people that you know also the more experience you get volunteering the more idea you'll find of what you enjoy so whilst at the start when you're applying for jobs you might really have a broad CV so you can apply to a wider range of jobs the more experience you get the more you'll be able to specify your CV and cover letter to a certain company or you know sort of set of jobs that you really enjoy so the more you specify and target your CV and cover letter towards those jobs, the more chance ultimately you're going to get them because it shows you've taken the time and really know about what you're doing. I mean, whilst companies often offer training, a lot of it's on the job. So it makes employers' lives a lot easier if you already you know, have some sort of idea about what you're doing. It puts you off in a good front, really. Absolutely. I think one of the key things an employer is is often looking for which is obviously difficult if you're entering a job market 
but when you get further in your career expertise is so so important just having done so many previous jobs before being able to fit straight into a job and knowing everything already is something that really employers cannot place a value on and so I think that as you you get more jobs in the future while at the start you want your your CV to be quite broad you might have two or three CVs depending on the different jobs you're applying for as you move forward and you know exactly where you're applying to getting that CV very very specified almost like your cover letter is very specific to the job that you're applying for that CV will become very specific so it it fulfills the exact need really for what you want yeah I think another thing that I would also mention is that a lot of volunteering organizations um, they also offer qualifications so you know quite often whilst you're working um, you get training and you can get qualifications also a lot of volunteering organizations also do that um, so for example the NVQ the National Vocational Qualification um, this allows you for to volunteer over um, perhaps a period of perhaps one year and then you'd create a portfolio and then you can get a and then you can get a qualification from that um, so for example in health and safety health and social care uh, mental health awareness and that's another thing um, which is really positive to put on onto your um, CV so absolutely and I think doing that kind of volunteering work very much builds on from your disclosure letter of showing that move of rehabilitation showing that you've you've been to prison you made a mistake and now you've developed through that and now you're rehabilitated you're out in society and you're really looking to contribute and that's the kind of story that I think your disclosure letter is very much wanting to say. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about what is disclosure, why it's so important, then some sort of technical points on based on your conviction, what you need to sort of do, and then what you should include in your disclosure letter or if you're disclosing at interview. So when you have a conviction, you may be obligated to tell employers for a certain period of time about this conviction. And a failure to inform your employer may lead to serious consequences such as being recalled to prison, having your job offer rescinded or if you're already in the job, being sacked from your job. So your disclosure letter, we advocate, should be a way for you to explain your conviction and include perhaps mitigating factors and how you have changed personally since this offence. And often employers want to perceive that you are not a threat to their company as they as they might assume because as we previously talked about the stigma in society. This also will build trust with your potential employer because you should, as I'll talk about on application forms, they often have a tick box and some choose not to tick this box that they have a previous com- criminal conviction and perhaps bring it up later in interview. And we would advocate to tick this box to disclose and we advocate positive disclosure because we want you when applying to jobs to build this relationship of trust. Just before you go on and talk about your disclosure letter, do you want to just say quickly about when you need to disclose in terms of your disclosure period? If you look on the Unbarbed website, we have a table, a very helpful table that based on the length of your conviction is for how long you have to disclose for so if your sentence was for six months or fewer and you are over 18 when convicted then you must disclose your conviction for two years if you are under 18 when you were convicted then you must disclose for a year and a half 
another example if your sentence was for over seven years then your conviction for over four years sorry i'll just clarify it's not seven years it's four years then your conviction will never be spent and you will always have to disclose when i talk about spent it's when you no longer have to disclose your your conviction so if you're sentenced for over four years you for every job you apply for for the rest of your life you will have to disclose in some form or either by writing or in interview and just a quick touch on spent convictions even when your disclosure period has ended and that's for sentences under four years which do have a, a disclosure period with an end those spent convictions can still turn up on dbs checks so if your employer says we do checks um, although you don't need to disclose to them they can still find out and so you might still want to inform an employer of your spent convictions just so that they are aware of them Mm. I would also like to clarify if you have multiple sentences you should pay attention to whether you have a for example two consecutive offences or two concurrent offences so if you have two consecutive sentences which are back-to-backs um, so you have two sentences for example of six months this counts as a 12-month sentence so then you look how long you have to disclose for a 12-month sentence which doubles the disclosure period for four years so six months it's two years of disclosure if you have two separate offenses then that add up to 12 months you then disclose for four years two concurrent sentences so that run together um, will amount of six months will amount to six months and then you disclose for two years i think the thing with um disclosure periods is everyone's prison sentence is slightly different and so the best thing to do is either to go onto the Unbarred website where we have a whole page on disclosure and calculating your disclosure period or you could also use the Unlock website which has a disclosure calculator on there which is a really useful resource because at the end of the day you want to be very clear on how long you have to disclose because obviously you can be fired and if you are still on license then you can be recalled to prison and so it's a very serious issue and so this is why we promote positive disclosure via a disclosure letter which we'll now have a chat about. Yes so um, as I've said you can disclose via letter and we advocate this over in purely disclosing that interview you can also disclose that interview but we would advise that you bring your letter along and really reinforce the mitigating factors of your conviction in that interview but to start off with the letter we would advise that you include firstly how long ago the offence was whether you committed multiple offences primarily how relevant the offences are to the job you apply to so if they're not relevant at all you emphasize that point and if they were perhaps quite serious offenses you know we want that explanation the employer wants that explanation the circumstances you had you had then so perhaps you were homeless perhaps um you're providing for your family i went on a prison visit myself and i heard from a lot of the prisoners that that primarily from all of them that was their main reason they could not provide for their families and they felt that they were resorted into a position where they had to offend and then also how since then you have taken responsibility and do not what I want to emphasize is do not use these reasons as excuses you want them to explain you know and mitigate yes I would just say don't 
don't try and make an excuse. I think when writing a disclosure letter, the, the key thought in your head is, what does an employer want to hear? I mean, that should be your key thought throughout your, your application process, really. And they want to hear about someone who has taken responsibility for their mistakes. I think the key is throughout your disclosure letter to show ways you've done that. Yeah, and how you've addressed the issues. I think one of the really important offense, ones yes. of those is if you've pled guilty, that's a great one to put in there, for example. Yeah, because that's... awareness courses. Exactly, really and it also valuable. indicates how you've taken responsibility from the outset before you've even been sent to prison. And then, as we were saying about CVs, the perhaps or cover letters, the courses you have taken in prison, you want to show that evidence of taking responsibility. And then also why why you don't think you're a risk to this employer. Because again, if you're thinking about what the employer is thinking, that may be something that's on their mind. So other tips in sort of more the form than the content is, again, keep it short. We don't want any more than a side of A4. Um, also simple, as we were talking about with cover letters, personalise it to the job you are applying for. So if we're talking about relevance, um, if you're applying for two jobs and one relevant and what one isn't, you know, change your disclosure letter as appropriate. And we would start off by stating, being very, very clear about what your offence was, how long you're in prison for that offence, um, and and um, then finish off with what you have learned. So you want it to come across as a story. This is what um, happened. This is why it happened. This is how I'm using it to change. And this is why I think I've got all these skills and honestly what I've learned during my time in prison that would make me suitable for this, for this job that you're applying to. Absolutely. And just as you tailor your CV and cover letter to your employer and the job that you're applying for, your disclosure letter needs to be tailored towards your conviction. So if you've got a non-violent conviction, that's always really important to put in there because it means that you are still very able to work around people. That's a really good thing to put in there. Just because you do have a violent conviction doesn't mean that an employer isn't going to let you work around people but it means you're going to need to show more mitigating circumstances. Same with if your crime isn't related to theft or fraud, it means the employer can more easily trust you around money. That's a really good thing to put in there to further mitigate your conviction. Anything to show your conviction is, 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 is less serious is really valuable while not saying that it's not a mistake it's not something that you regret it's a difficult line to walk but it's one that you have to kind of you've got to find your own way to do it because it's your story that's what the disclosure letter is it's your story of rehabilitation and we'd also advise you know showing it to a friend or family member because they might be able to also um you know as daniel was saying check it for the so it doesn't come across as sort of minimizing the conviction especially if it is serious and then when you go to interview if you get to that stage which we hope you will you should also bring along a copy of your disclosure letter because the questions they ask you about your conviction in interview which they are likely to will have the answers in your disclosure letter so you can refer back to and even expand on what you have said in your disclosure letter it's because they will ask you why did you commit this offence there you go you can say look at my second paragraph in my disclosure letter and explain a bit more as 
as because in an interview we are talking a lot more about body language and you can really you know make that eye contact emphasize the reasons why and then what was going on in your life at the time what steps have you taken to change your ways these are all very common questions that employers ask so sort of prepping these responses again with a friend or or a family member will really strengthen your interview and honestly help you feel less nervous because I think we can all sit here and say that we all find interviews stressful and anxiety provoking everybody does and what you want is to practice and to try and relieve some of that anxiety so um, what I'd also say is that you don't want to let the conviction although you want to you know properly explain it don't let it dominate the interview you want to clear everything up if there are any questions answer it succinctly um, and with a point and then move on and talk about the job you're applying for because you could perhaps come across as defensive you could labor the whole interview um on perhaps something that you feel should not affect your ability to do this job absolutely having clear confident answers to all of their questions related to your conviction is really important as is clear confident answers as to anything in your cv your work history your skills you need to be able to answer any question really with confidence, but especially around your conviction, because you want to get it out of the way. You don't want to be bumbling on about your conviction. You want clear, concise answers to get those questions out of the way and move on with who you are and move on about the really good stuff that you've got. And unless the employer has their own internalised stigma about criminal convictions, they should have dealt with this many many times before as we repeat the statistic very very often on this podcast almost one in four people of working age have a criminal conviction virtually every employer has experienced dealing with someone with a criminal record before so you shouldn't be scared you shouldn't be defensive you shouldn't think oh this is the first time they've done through this they know what this is like that's why we need to provide those clear confident answers so they can think ah yes they know what's going on and they're realistic about what this means for them and we can move on and then to start discussing the job but also if you think about it if they've invited you to interview having a conviction isn't a deal breaker for them Mm. they're inviting you to interview to show why it's not important and so you've already got they've invited you in to explain your conviction and you've got the tools to do it with your disclosure letter you've got the tools ready to go and explain it and show them why they were right to give you an interview, why it's not important. Exactly. I think as long as you go according to all those sort of things I've just listed, you really shouldn't have a problem because, again, as we emphasise, be honest, provide clear answers, use it as a mitigating tool and perhaps even help you with your application because it tells a often you don't get that sort of personal aspect of yourself into a job applications and by perhaps explaining your family circumstance your situation you can help the employer see a personal side of you that could be helpful um building that sort of relationship of trust that we're talking about i think that's a really really strong point actually the good thing about a disclosure letter as well is it doesn't need to be adapted as much with a cv and you can send that off to, to each employer but obviously make sure that you change who it's going to and send it to the right person because it is confidential. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and you feel more prepared if you're going to be applying for jobs and writing your 
CV, disclosure and cover letters. Um, now to kind of tie off the podcast and end on a, on a really positive note, we've got a prison success story, um, which Zoe is going to deliver. Yep, so today I'll be talking about John Burton. John Burton, at 49, knows all about the feeling of uncertainty once the prison gates shut behind you and the outside world beckons. He served two prison sentences since the early 2000s, one for cigarette smuggling and then two for drug trafficking and money laundering. Towards the end of his time in prison, John started to think about younger prisoners, some of whom he knew were going to go straight back into crime. Without a job to go into, they are reliant on former criminal mates in order to earn a living when they are on the outside. On his release at the end of 2017, he returned to Liverpool where he was struck by the number of people sleeping on the streets. There were ex-army veterans and former prisoners. I couldn't believe how many homeless there were out in my city in the middle of winter. There and then I thought, that's it. I have to give give something back to people like that. I was determined to put something back after all those years of taking. He founded Inside Connections, a not-for-profit organisation that assists people with convictions and their families. The first Inside Connections initiative now runs at the King's Dock on the River Mercy, where 10 prisoners out on day release are working on a Wilmot Dixon building site. They work on everything from steel fixing to security to learning to be an, an electrician. Other large construction firms in northwest England have signed up. It has also teamed up with the Jockey Club, the body that runs the British horse racing, to provide jobs, training and support for ex-prisoners. Burton has commented that it is all about breaking the prison cycle and getting them out of a life of crime, because it is so easy to fall back into crime even when you are still only halfway out the door from prison on release from temporary licence. The recruits are helped to improve their skills and either get jobs or prepare themselves for the labour market long before they are finally freed. Although 40% of the wages go into the Victims' Family Fund, which aims victims of crime, they are earning enough to have a few quid behind them when they are fully released. And when they walk out of the prison door for the last time, hopefully they will be going into a full-time job. The more people we get into work, the more people who are not re-offending, says Burton, and that is good for society as well as for young offenders. Burton's criminal... record particularly a conviction for money laundering meant he cannot be a director of a company or charity nor he admits will any bank allow him to open up an account as a result his 22 year old son ben luckily runs the organization and his daughter olivia will become co-director when she turns 18. one of inside connections success stories is a 31 year old stephen cripps a former heroin addict He is one of 91 ex-offenders who have been given a second chance thanks to the scheme. Without it, Cripp says, he would never have found found a place to live or a job within a construction firm. Inside Connections have also developed a specialist phone app to help prison visitors find the best routes to the jails and their relatives that are held in across Britain. The app also gives advice on saving money on trains and bus fares, information on the cheapest accommodation, hotels, Airbnbs, no prisons, and even offers discounts on everything from birthday cards to eating out. The app built on work Burton did in prison, where he was serving his 16-year-old drug sentence for smuggling. I noticed that in the visitor's kitchen centre, the kitchen wasn't serving up the best food, recalls Burton, who used to own a sandwich shop on Merseyside when he was laundering cash from crime. 
I knew about how to run a kitchen and how to source the best ingredients for sandwiches, so I challenged the governor to let me reorganise the kitchen and train up prisoners who were into catering, and, fair play to him, he agreed. Burton recruited a cook, and within two weeks, the staff, the visitors and the prisoners were talking about how good the sandwiches were. It started a conversation with the prison governor about how to improve the lot of families and inmates, get involved into positive things. It was a turning point because I could see that you can do things for other people and stop thinking about yourselves. Burton has said his life is now completely paranoia free because once you're in that criminal world, you are on your guard 24 seven. You start seeing people more than once in a day and you think it's either undercover cops or rival gangsters. You keep checking your rear mirror in case a car is following you. You're in a living nightmare and you don't realize it. That is not a life. This is a life, a real one, helping lads who used to be like me, starting out by breaking this cycle and freeing them. That was a really brilliant success story. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you found it informative and useful. And I hope you listen to our next episode. Thanks very much.